This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how do I avoid turning my life into a train wreck? Well, today we offer practical and helpful advice to help us live and thrive in the modern world. And today we're thinking about making wise decisions and how to avoid turning my life into a train wreck. And to help us, we have Alan Bullman join us. Alan is director of the Takeovers panel that regulates corporate control transactions by the efficient resolution of takeover disputes. Please welcome Alan Bullman. Alan, you make decisions on the Takeovers panel. What sort of decisions do you make? Well, I don't quite make decisions on the matters that are disputes. That's members who are masters of the universe in law or investment banking or company directors. They're the decision makers. I help run the executive, which helps them make good decisions. So you assist making good decisions for these what masters of the universe. Do they wear sort of costumes and things? Is that, is that what describes these masters of the universe? No, they're just very impressive people in the industry. I, I used masters of the universe as a term of art. Okay, right. Internal term, perhaps. Yeah, right. Okay. What sort of decisions do you have to assist in making? Well, in our area, which is Chapter 6 of the Corporations Act, I'm boring you already, aren't I? <laughs> there are issues around bids where bidders or targets or other market participants want to have a fight and they can't go to the courts. The courts are excluded during the bid period, so they come to us. And the panel members, usually three panel members selected by the president of the panel, are appointed to consider that matter and we help them in the consideration of that matter. OK, right. And are the decisions you make uh, popular? Well, usually given any form of dispute resolution, there's usually one party, the losing party, who's, uh, who's unhappy. Sometimes we have... Sometimes we have two parties that are happy at the end. Sometimes neither party is happy at the end. It just depends. Right, OK. Um, so what sort of factors then do you need to take into account in assisting making decisions? You have to consider the, the act and the policy of the provisions, which I certainly will not be boring you with. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Thank you, we appreciate that. Previous decisions and uh, aspects of law, policy, sometimes finance, that sort of thing. OK, right. So would you say that you've ever made a bad decision? Uh, Certainly in life I've made some bad decisions, (laughs) but uh, it would be a very bad decision if I admitted that I made a bad decision (laughs) while I was at the takeovers panel. Okay, so you really can't say. Now, as part of bigger questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Today we're talking with Alan Bullman about making wise decisions and trying to help people avoid train wrecks of their lives. So, Alan, in today's quiz, I thought I'd test you on how well you know train wrecks. Are you a train buff at all? Are you enjoy watching? Not really. My, my Uncle Fred was a train buff, but right. I, I'm not, no. Okay, sure. Well, anyway, well, you, you, you might be okay. You might be okay. Well, train wrecks are probably not what railway enthusiasts look, up, look for anyway. But, okay, the first question is two questions. First question. A 1906 publication, Railroad Accidents, Their Cause and Prevention by R.C. Richards, identified four different causes of railway accidents. Which was the most common cause? Was it A? Unavoidable accidents or those caused by an act of God or by some miscreant who messes with the railway? Or was it B, those caused by the carelessness, thoughtlessness or neglect of railway employees? Or was it C, accidents to passengers or others caused by the carelessness of the person injured or some other person for whose act the railway was not liable? Or was it D, those caused by the negligence of railway management? 
So it's basically unavoidable accidents, employees, passengers or management. Which was the most common cause? I'm guessing passengers. Passengers? The answer is actually B. Accidents caused by the carelessness, thoughtlessness or neglect of employees were the large majority of all accidents that happen. That was a century ago. I'm, I'm sure, sure it's changed I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the WorkSafe, etc., have, have improved working conditions in the meantime. Okay, the second question. In 2000, the 2015 movie Trainwreck, lead character Amy Schumer engages in what can be described as trainwreck behaviour. Which of these things that she does in the movie wouldn't be normally described as trainwreck behaviour? Was it A, regularly sleeping around whilst dating someone? Is it B, excessive alcohol and drug use? Is it C, sleeping around whilst under the influence of excessive alcohol and drug use? Or was it D, getting a job? So which of those would not be usually considered trainwreck behaviour? D, I would suggest. Well, surprise, but you're actually correct. Congratulations. Yes, you actually get that one right. Um, there are perhaps some jobs that could be described as uh, being a train wreck. Working for the takeovers panel, that wouldn't be a train wreck move for your career, perhaps? Maybe you shouldn't say, perhaps. No, I'd best not say. <laughs> anyway, so congratulations. In our train wreck quiz, you got one out of two correct. Alan, congratulations. You've passed. A huge round of applause for Alan. Now, R.C. Richards, the author of the book on train accidents, describes thoughtlessness as the biggest cause of train wrecks. How do you think this applies to our lives? I think sometimes in making decisions, you can make decisions too quickly or you can be thoughtless in making decisions, not realising the consequences of decisions. Yeah. And that can cause say, consequences that may not be that good. So to give you a, a relatively minor example in my own life... Yeah. In the last 15 years, my wife and I bought two cars. One was a Subaru, the other was a Jetta. We could have actually have lived with a Camry in both cases. In doing so, we basically spent $30,000 more than we really needed to. Mm -hmm. That means the money we could have given to charitable causes, the City Bible Forum, Light sure. FM, Happy with that. whoever, <laughs> <laughs> which, we, which we didn't because we, we sort of just sleepwalked into buying cars that everybody else was buying. Right. So what was driving you then in making those decisions, you think? I think subconscious. It was, I need a car. This, these cars are being advertised. I'll walk in and, and buy it. And then I discovered with Subaru, for example, I drove my daughter to the play centre and every single car was a Subaru. So everybody else, just <laughs> like me, bought the was Subaru. Making, making the same decisions. Spent the extra 10 grand to buy the Subaru. Yeah. And there was an opportunity cost, you're suggesting, with those decisions had consequences which meant that you couldn't do certain things. Yes, the, the mortgage wasn't as paid off as fast and... Uh, and yes, there's money I could have given to other causes or done other things with, gone on a holiday, which might have been eventually. Maybe you could have gone to see the Subaru factory, perhaps, you know. Maybe not such a great holiday to do. Anyway, so the, the title of the movie Trainwreck implies that Amy Schumer's life is a disaster. Yet she would possibly deny that when she says, I am just a modern chick who does what she wants. What would you say to Amy? I think that, again, it's about sleepwalking into decisions, I guess. There are two ways in which people often uh, make decisions or philosophies around making decisions. One is Amy's, which can even have a Christian aspect to it, which is just, oh, I'll do what I think is right. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, if you read the book of Judges, 
Um, the Israel of the time of the book of Judges kept doing what was right in their own eyes. And if you read the book of Judges, it didn't end really well for them, to be honest. No, no. The other, it was a bit of, bit of a train wreck, I suppose, for a nation. <laughs> a bit of a yeah. train wreck for yeah. a nation. The other, the other extreme, though, is where you become paralysed knowing the consequences of decisions and then going, well, should I wait on some answer from the sky, from God or from, or from something else before I make a decision? And that can paralyse people. And to some extent, you may have heard it said in business circles, no decision is a decision, and that can also be a bad decision. So mm-hmm. I think to someone like Amy, you've got to ask, well, why... What have you really thought about the consequences of these decisions you're making? And maybe there are other decisions you could make that actually have better consequences in the long term. So could her life be a train wreck and she not realise it? I I think so, yes, particularly if she feels like she's having fun doing the things she's doing without thinking about the consequences later on the track. Mm. So in some ways it's related to what you talked about, the sleepwalking. You kind of just make those decisions without really thinking through the consequences yeah, some, some, at some point I actually woke up and realised I'd become a lawyer. It was quite, it was quite <laughs> extraordinary, actually. I had, so it destroyed you? No, quite, quite extraordinary. Oh, extraordinary, I, right. I, woke, <laughs> I woke up and thought, oh, I'm, I'm a lawyer. Right. When did that happen? <laughs> There's a few other lawyers out there in the audience who I think are feeling maybe similarly or not. I'm not sure. We won't get them to participate at this point. As part of Bigger Questions, we also reflect on the Bible and we're going to examine some wisdom found there, which may be surprising to many. But before we do that, we're interested to hear about why you, Alan, believe the scriptures are worth following. So what convinced you to become a Christian believer? Well, it took a little bit of time. My, my parents, like a lot of parents in the 70s, sent me to Sunday school, even though they didn't attend church themselves. And I was told the gospel at uh, that church, St. David's Moorabbin, to give a big plug to St. David's Moorabbin, still doing good gospel work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I really got it at that stage. Then, unfortunately, uh, my mother died when I was 10 and um, I sort of drifted out of church at that point. At the same time, having, a mother, having my mother die when I was 10 and being brought up with, by my dad, and also I had a turn in my eye, so I was really, really bad at sports. So throughout most of my high school life, I might as well have had a big sign on me that said, kick me. Um, so I didn't really have a great high school time I was bullied quite a lot picked on and I did what a lot of kids do when they're bullied and picked on they they get on with studying very very hard and so I actually got a very good mark in my year 12 exams and got into a commerce and law degree at Melbourne Uni and at that point I I wondered well is there more to life than this because I didn't really have that many friends at the end of that process one of my friends was a Christian and would and was actually completely fascinated by the Catholic Church and kept talking to me about the Catholic Church non-stop. And um, through just that, I began to hear a lot about religious issues and religious controversies and things like that. And, and in some small way, I was told the gospel. And then at university, I went to the University Christian Union, was told the gospel again, and finally the penny dropped about what it meant. And I believed it. Mm-hmm. Was it a decision that it was worth making, you think? Yes, I think I think it has eternal significance mm. becoming a Christian. So yes, I think it was right, worth yeah, making, yes. Yeah. But how did it impact your, your life, the consequences for your life at that particular point and beyond, do you think? Oh, I think um, sometimes it's hard to say because you, there's no alternative universe where you can see an Alan Bullman that isn't a Christian. So right, yeah. in some respects, it's hard to know how I would have turned out if I hadn't had turned to Christ. But certainly in turn to Christ, I reoriented my life potentially away from 
idols such as money or career for the sake of career or relationships for the sake of relationships, but to, to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's a better place to be, you think, where you are? Oh, I think it, it, it helps me make good decisions, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if you, God is God, then I think it is important to... And Jesus, if Jesus did actually die on the cross for our sins, then I think it's probably the best way to live. Not just probably, it is the best mm-hmm. way to live, I should say. Well, we're going to look at some of the wisdom or some of the parts of the Bible which does tell us how to live, which is the book of Proverbs. Uh, It offers short, pithy insights into the nature of life in the world and offers practical, memorable wisdom for living life. What what do you make of Proverbs, Alan? Do the sayings there surprise you at all? Um, Certainly the, the sayings in Proverbs are quite varied and deal with a lot of situations. And one that particularly struck me, because I've been reading Proverbs over the last 12 months, one that particularly struck me is the one about being careful not to give surety for other people's debts. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a, that's a very good bit of wisdom because in my family history, my grandfather actually gave surety, gave guarantee to one of his mate's debts and his mate defaulted. And it meant that for the first 20 years of my grandfather's marriage was actually a bit of a train wreck right? Um, because they, they actually didn't have any money to, to sort of survive. And in the early part of the 20th century, that was actually quite serious. So mm. it's interesting how Proverbs actually deals with a whole lot of situations that resonate today in modern life. Mm. Well, we're going to explore some of those now. Uh, And it does make common sense observations about the decisions we make in life. So, for example, Proverbs 24, 30 to 34, makes the connection between the decision to be lazy and subsequent unproductiveness. So it talks about going past the field of a sluggard, which has thorns everywhere and is covered with weeds. So do you think that Proverbs is affirming the idea that we've talked about that certain decisions have natural consequences? I, th- I think that's right. I, I've seen in life people who maybe they haven't applied themselves as much as they should. And every year they do that, it actually gets all the more harder for them to actually turn their lives around. Right. I mean, not impossible, but it's, for example, if you're in your 40s and you haven't really worked very hard and you haven't established a career... Uh, life is actually quite tough mm. because you're you're in the last couple of decades of your productive working life and you don't have, I suppose, the career and the, the investment you've made to to be able to look after a family and things like that. So that, that can be quite difficult for, for you, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, it's common in our world today to make decisions in order to be true to yourself The late Apple founder Steve Jobs once said in a speech that you've got to find what you love and that the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Is this realistic? Well, I think if you're um, growing up in a slum in India, it's completely unrealistic. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Why do you say say that? Why do people laugh, do you think? Well, I I think um, Steve Jobs had some gifts from God in terms of talent and opportunity and passion that got him to where he is at. But... The idea, and my, my daughter, who also is called Amy, uh, has been, was told this at a very young age, do what you want, you know, follow your dreams. So in terms of future career, you should follow your dreams. But I'm not sure that actually is particularly wise advice because I think whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, I think it's important to work out what your calling is. And that's not just your passions. It's also your gifts, your abilities, and also opportunities that are, that are put your way. Mm. Now, sometimes that can be tough because it's a bit hard as you're growing up when you see 
in my case, kids who were incredibly good at sport and I wasn't, you sort of sometimes I say, I wish I was as good at sport as they were or I wish I was as smart at law as the person who got the Supreme Court prize or something like that. Mm. But in the end, you have to be realistic about your your strengths and weaknesses. It says in Romans 12, for example, you need to see yourself with sober judgment. And I think... Uh, I think that is important. So to some extent, what Steve Jobs has said has some truth for those in the Western world where we, to some extent, we have this incredible luxury that we can actually be happy in our jobs because in a lot of parts of the world you can't, to be honest. But I think also it's important to really discern what your calling is and that not, might not always be necessarily the thing that you love the most. It might actually have to be the thing you're good at and the opportunities that come your way. So perhaps the, the players in the sporting team were looking with envy at your legal ability, perhaps? No. No, I think so. Proverbs trust, 20... Trust me on that. <laughs> okay, well, I'll trust you on that, your judgment. Um, Proverbs 28, 19 says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. What does this say to Steve Jobs' philosophy of do what you love? Well, I think it it has an impact particularly for people who try to do what they love and they've had a couple of setbacks. I think in assessing those setbacks they need to really consider whether or not they should be doing something that they can do and be productive at rather than just what they love. Mm. Um, There comes a point, for example, and I've seen people in their 40s in this situation where they're pursuing what they love but it's it's not actually productive for them, their families and the community around them. And, and in some ways that's quite sad. So you would describe maybe it's almost a train wreck in action perhaps? Yes, yeah, a slow-moving train wreck perhaps. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now the movie Trainwreck starts with Amy's, not your daughter's father, divorcing her mother due to an affair. The father tells his two young daughters, one of whom is Amy, to recite a mantra, monogamy isn't realistic. Now, these decisions are contrary to the message of Proverbs, which encourages a man to drink water from his own cistern and not to share sexual love with anyone other than a husband or wife. So from your observations, what you've observed, will the rejection of monogamy lead to a train wreck of a life? I think think it often does. And I think a lot of people, particularly guys, often in their assessment of the benefits of leaving their wives versus not will sort of make a bit of a cognitively bad sort of reckoning of that balance they'll they'll up the advantages of leaving and they won't actually think about the disadvantages which are actually quite considerable Hmm. and I think that that can be a bit of an issue and sometimes I think and this is a warning for good-looking guys like you and I, Rob. Yeah, um, probably you more than me. Yeah, that's right. That I think you've got legal ability as well. That's right. That's what's going for you. Perhaps, but, <laughs> but for for good-looking guys, I think there is a real trap uh, as guys get older to somehow think, "Oh, I've still got it in some form in terms of their attractiveness," or to also think that a new relationship, the person understands me better than, than my wife. And, and quite frankly, that, that's, as soon as you start thinking about that, about an, uh, somebody of the opposite sex when you're married, you need to start thinking, well, I need to do something about my marriage and building up the relationship there. Um, it says in the Bible, don't forget the wife of your youth. And so, sometimes, if, particularly if our wives are mothers as well, they've put a lot of effort into 
bringing up the family and and you know it's a it's a terrible um, betrayal to to leave them in those circumstances well proverbs 627 implies that there are, are negative consequences of adulterous decisions which you've kind of outlined in some ways it says can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned what do you make of this is this true of the world I think I think there there are there are certainly examples of that. I've seen people who have um, strayed, for want of a better word, or, or have left their their wives Scooped or husbands, fire into their lap. and have had dealt had quite significant financial and emotional difficulty that results from that. Mm. Um, sometimes, particularly if it's a workplace romance, it can even have quite negative impacts in, in the workplace as well. You, you've seen that? Yes, yes I have. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very difficult, particularly if there's power imbalances between um, the, the workplace romance, for want of a better word, um, if the person is more junior, that, that can get a little bit difficult and um, can cause... Um, ripple effects throughout an organisation. Mm. Burning, perhaps, being being burnt. Well, mm. It also talks about... Uh, or other people getting burnt. Yes, yeah. that's right. Well, yeah. can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? It's the same kind of idea. Now, the Bible doesn't just give common sense, although the words of wisdom can sometimes seem like that. The Bible speaks about a connection between wisdom of living in the world and fear of the Lord. For example, Proverbs 1533 says wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Why do you think that is? I, I think given who God is and the amazing thing he's done for us in Jesus that I think it's important to sort of center your decisions around what you think God might want. So for example before when I made the comment about the cars I'm not sure God would have wanted me to have spent that extra $30,000 to be honest. That was a fairly was a sleepwalking decision, as I mentioned before, but it was also, I think, careless and potentially selfish as well. So I think if you think about, well, what, what does, to be hackneyed about it, what would Jesus do mm-hmm. in making decisions? I think that's, that's not a bad question to ask. Mm. And I can see my own life, and I've seen other people's lives too, that when you start making decisions that aren't for God, either, either explicitly or not, they can actually build on each other and that can have quite um, serious implications in relation to relationships and, and other things. Mm-hmm. So what about mistakes? You've mentioned mistakes. Well, how do you deal with that? And does this passage talks about humility. Does humility help when we recognise our mistakes? I think so. And I'd, I'd go back one step. I think I've said all this about consequences of people's mistakes but and what might happen when you get into middle age after making a series of mistakes. But of course... Through Jesus, we're forgiven, and you can, to some extent, turn your life around. You'll have to deal with the consequences of those decisions, but um, it may, you can start making decisions at any age, really. And I think that's that's an important um, note to make. As long as you can actually face the mistakes you've made mm. and be honest about them, because if you feel, and I think this can happen as you get older. And I think people, I think in our society today, this is quite common when you make, people make a series of bad decisions and instead of actually confronting those bad decisions, they, their view, their worldview changes to fit those bad decisions. And then they become quite 
narrow-minded about those very issues because they've they've twisted reality. They've twisted either if, as Christians, they either twist, twist theology, or if you're non-Christian, you just twist your general worldview mm. to fit into what you've done so you're not actually confronting the mistakes you've made. So you justify your own cons- sort of decisions, rationalise them in many Yes, ways. and that can build up over time, yeah. I think. What difference then, this, talk, this passage talks about the fear of the Lord or trusting in the Lord. What difference does trusting in the Lord make in the decisions that you make? Well, I think uh, when you talk about fear of the Lord, I think it also means you don't have to fear anything else. Um, and so I know that one of the things I... I'm constantly tempted by issues around fear. What if I lose my job? What if what if I get sick? What if something goes wrong with, with the family? Those sort of things uh, can play on one's mind and can lead, again, to bad decisions potentially. But in trusting in God and trusting in God's providence, I think that gives you a clearer view to actually work out the consequences of what you're doing and what are the best decisions to make. This is not to say that I won't make bad decisions in the future. I probably will, but luckily, luckily through Christ, I'm forgiven. There's forgiveness, There's even forgiveness, though yeah. um, you may, might potentially make a decision that could lead you towards being a train wreck. Correct. You never know. <laughs> you never know. That's right. Would you recommend watching the movie Train Wreck? I saw the trailer. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Just for full disclosure, I only saw the trailer as well. And when I was Googling train wreck movie, um, that came up. So it gave us a conversation partner, but I wouldn't recommend watching the movie personally. There are so many movies to see, that would be pretty low on the list. I mean, you could say you've seen it in real life. Yeah, I think that's right. I've seen it in real life, in people's lives. I've lived long enough to have seen it. Yeah. The irony of the movie, sorry for a spoiler, if you're thinking about movie, as I think in the end... Amy adopts what you would argue would be a sort of a Christian values that she rejects some of the decisions that she's made to actually become monogamous, which I think is kind of ironic. That's why there's some of the critics have made that. Anyway, but that's for discussion later. So, Alan, how do I avoid turning my life into a train wreck? I think fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and I think... So I think that's the answer if you're a Christian. If you're a non-Christian, I think... Wouldn't the answer be the same? Well, well, I would, I would be, I'd be saying the same. But if you can't quite bring yourself to, to believe in God, but I think it is important to actually think about the consequences of your actions. I think I, I, I try to live by this rule in terms of fearing the Lord and trusting in God. That also I should think about how's the best way to love other people rather than just serve myself, because there's so many pressures in society to tell me that I should love myself. I need to continually remind myself that that is not the way to live. That the way to live is to love God and to love to love others. Well, let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question: How do I avoid turning my life into a train wreck? From Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen: Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. I look forward to you joining us next time for bigger questions. Please thank our guest today. Alan Bullman. Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.